Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. Today, we have a special guest. You're, you're in New York, right? Coming from New York, yeah. Right. I was about to York say now. New Jersey for a second, but I was oh, like... Oh, don't, don't do that to me, man. Don't, don't do, do that, that to me. Don't do that. So very close in New York, which is awesome. And, um, and what's really cool about uh, Matt is that we met a couple, about a month or two ago over at a mastermind group that we're a part of uh, with Kent Clothier for the boardroom. And he presented on what he has going on in his business over in New York of basically the 203K way, which for real estate investing, it's creative different strategies. I'll let him dive into it in a second, but I don't want to take too much of the glory, but it's a really awesome way that somebody brand new can be able to take this, implement it, and be able to get in to a new investment property with very little out of pocket and how you can transform this, be able to basically do the burst strategy in one sense or another, and be able to start just slowly compounding it over time, which is, which is awesome. It, it's very creative and I love it. So anybody that's brand new that just feels lost of like the money aspect, the, the deal aspect, and everything in between as a brand new entrepreneur getting started into real estate investing, this is the episode for you. I think it's going to transform your life. It's going to unlock something and give some kind of breakthrough. So without further ado, Matt, what's happening, brother? How are you today? Thanks, man. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for jumping on if you're listening. Super excited to be here. And we connected really well. It was awesome talking to you and just seeing the similarities between our businesses and everything. And uh, really stoked for you to invite me on. And any way I could give value to your community, I think, you know, as you said, it's it's very special. It's a unique thing. It's not very... There's not a lot of exposure on the 203k loan and, and specifically yeah. how to how to leverage it, right? And I'm sure. excited to give you guys more details on how I got started and how you could implement it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really not being talked about. Like everybody's talking about wholesaling or fix and flip or the burr strategy, right? But the 203k way is really a, a different strategy that many people just aren't taking advantage of or even are aware of. So it's time today that we bring some awareness to the situation and how yep. people can get started. So for anybody out there that doesn't know who you are, you know where you're from or, or what you're up to over the years, do you mind just diving into that? Yeah, man. So my name is Matt, Matt Porcaro. I'm the founder of the 203K Way. And I specialize in helping aspiring real estate investors leverage the little known, little talked about 203K loan to really set their real estate investing careers into orbit. I call it the 203K way because it's just another way to get started in real estate. And it's one that's not spoken about enough. It sure as hell wasn't spoken enough when I got into it. And I'm still, I think, the only person really talking about it. It, it is real estate's best kept secret, especially for people just starting out. And I'll get more into about the, what the 203K loan is in a second. But really, just like you know, a lot of aspiring real estate investors, I got the bug about around when I was in college, actually. And you know, as I'm going through college, I got my first internship and I started working at an engineering design build firm in New York City. And, you know, my whole life I've always been one to really just work my butt off and 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 you know, figure work hard and and I'll find my way, right? And sure. what ended up happening was 
got into this internship and realized very quickly that, you know, the way that people were working at this job wasn't really aligning with the way that I see work being, right? And and it was kind of like it was like the cubicle life, kind of the nine to five monotony of like, hey, hey, yeah, oh, you're not finished with that? Okay, just come back tomorrow. We'll we'll start it back tomorrow. And you know, realizing very quickly that I was working, you know, around circles around people. But at the end of the day, the guy next to me is getting paid the same, if not more than me. And I felt like I wasn't getting rewarded for what I was putting in. So, you know, did all the things, followed all the advice. But at the end of the day, I knew I wanted to be wealthy and I knew I wanted to change the way that maybe my family kind of experienced with money. I, you know, I came from a blue collar family, you know, love my dad to death, love my family to death, but just really rough business models. He's a, you know, he's a business owner himself, small business owner himself. And, you know, all the things he, yeah, yep. He's actually in in construction, general contractor. So, you know, ultimately again, you know, we weren't poor by any means, but being in construction, there was just like a lot of ups and downs. And when you're a really impressionable young kid, you realize when you don't have money or or money's tight, right? You know, electric goes off, you know, you realizing you're only eating pasta for weeks and, you know, just knowing that all the stresses, it seemed like, at least for my young eyes, all the stress and all the anxiety and all the anger in my home would spring most of the time from money, right? Sure. So, you know, as someone, you know, when I first started like dating my wife and everything, she noticed that I was always focused on money and always focused on doing the right thing. And she always not, never really understood why. And I, and I still to this day, I, and she understands now, but you know, when that's kind of the focus of what was basically bad in your life at an early young age, you realize to put so much focus on it. Cause for me, I didn't want that to be the same case for me. So with that being said, that's kind of why that whole mindset, you know, is is important. And it's important for a lot of people just getting into this, right? Everyone I find comes from that same kind of world of like, they want to do better, right? They want to set themselves out from the pack. They don't want to go into the nine to five rat race and kind of trade time for money for the rest of their lives. They know that there's other ways. One of the ways I'm sure many people hear about it, it's so cliche, but I picked up Rich Dad, Poor Dad one day. I was actually working at that job in New York City, walking down Fulton Street, going to Five Guys to stuff my face with a bag full of fries and a giant burger. And I'm walking down the street and you know, down the street in Manhattan, you have guys like selling all kinds of stuff on the side of the road. And there's a guy selling old books, used books. And uh, there was a whole Robert Kiyosaki section. And I never really knew about the book, but I had heard of it. And I looked at it and I saw Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and like I think it was Cashflow Quadrant and one other. And I think I got all the books for like five bucks, right? And you know, that five bucks pretty much was like taking the red pill, right? Because I, I went down the rabbit hole, man. I, I realized very quickly. And it was funny because I turned into this like kind of guy that was, uh, I, as soon as I finished reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I'm like, screw the man. Like, I don't want to work a nine to five. I'm going to create my own business and blah, 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 and do all this stuff. And it was funny because very quickly I turned into a very pessimistic person about jobs and <laughs> yeah. W 2 incomes and everything. But well, fast forward. Yeah, no, exactly, man. I went in. I'm like, oh, these guys don't even know what's going on. But one of the things about it was like, you know, I started going the whole business model route. But as I read that book, he's talking so much about real estate and how real estate's the greatest wealth builder, and that's really what how people get rich. But as I'm reading it, I'm kind of glazing over it. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to own real estate. Real estate's for rich old dudes that can buy like a ton of properties, right? To me. The idea of even buying one house in New York seemed entirely impossible, right? So I, I just kind of, yeah, I was like, yeah, maybe, yeah, I'm not buying. I'm, I don't think investing for real estate for me, but I could probably do a couple different businesses. So that kind of went me 
pushed me down that rabbit hole of trying to start online businesses, doing a bunch of things, e-commerce, option trading, affiliate marketing, all kinds of things. And I tried and failed at pretty much all of them. But I was you know, listening around and I had heard about wholesaling through a couple of different podcasts, tried my luck at that. And honestly, for four years here in New York, man, I was a young kid. I don't know if I got the right training or really understood that correctly, but I really tried my, my luck at wholesaling, man, trying to find deals. Did all the things, did the mailers, did the, you know, did the, uh, you know, door knocking signs, bandit signs, all the stuff. And just, man, I couldn't, I couldn't get anything to work. And I was trying that for years. And I thought like, that's the only way. Cause again, I had no money. Right. So the sure. whole idea of like needing money to get started. So lo and behold, I was a member of the local Long Island RIA group. And, you know, one day I'm like, all right, well, cause you know, I had all that imposter syndrome or not imposter syndrome, but all that, um, you know, uh, making excuses in my head, like, oh, New York, you can't wholesale in New York or you can't find deals in New Like it doesn't work in my market. So let me go to the local RIA because they have the secrets probably. And I went there and I ended up joining their mentorship program. I'm like, all right, so they're going to know what's going on, right? Because Long Island's crazy. It's super competitive, so expensive, super high taxes. They got the key. I went and I joined the program. Sure enough, it was like, you know, no offense to the program, but all the same exact shit I've been reading and training on and seeing yeah. books and podcasts and other courses that I had taken. And I'm like, well, I'm like, what the hell, man? So the leader of the RIA, she's this lady, Melissa, she super mom has a lot of kids, tons of properties, everything like that. She's just one of those people. You just don't know how they do it. Right. Like, how do you have enough time in the day? So anyway, went over there and I pulled her to the side one day. I'm like, listen, you know, I've been trying out this thing for way too long without any success. Like, if you could go back and start over, like, what would you do? I'm like, listen, I, I have a job. I, you know, I, I was 25, 26 years old at the time. Like, you know, I have maybe a little money saved up in the bank, but I can't hang with these investors that have fifty or hundred thousand dollars in in liquid cash flow, like or liquid equity to take something. So uh, she's pulled me aside. She's like, "Listen, what I would do is I would use something in F something called an FHA two hundred three K loan. What's that? All these years of me reading about re real estate investing, tons I of books. Found that one, right? <laughs> Never heard that. It was the first time I even heard that." I said, okay, well, what's that? She's like, well, what it allows you to do is it allows you to purchase fixer upper properties for only three and a half percent down. I said, yeah. what? She's like, yeah. So what you could do is you could purchase like a foreclosure. There was lots of foreclosures back then. She's like, you could purchase a foreclosure and buy something that you could renovate. The beauty of the loan is you're able to wrap the renovation costs into the mortgage. Yep. And that allows you to buy something that's a fixer upper not have to pay out of pocket. All you pay is three and a half percent down of the purchase price plus renovation. So for example, rough number, say you purchase easy numbers, you purchase a house for 50,000, you put another 50,000 in renovation into it. Okay. So your whole yeah. total amount is hundred K. You only have to come up with 3,500 bucks. So she said, go do that. She said, you're single, go buy a house, live in the basement, rent out the upstairs and yeah. basically do a burst strategy, right? Yeah. With only three and a half percent down. It's an owner-occupied loan. But she said to you, as someone starting out, and to anybody listening, to someone starting out that has flexibility on the next place that they want to live, you go in, you do that, you use your owner occupancy as a way to super leverage yourself into probably one of the most, most strongest forms of leverage there's out there. So she told me this, and she absolutely blew my mind because for years I thought to buy a house, I needed $50,000, $150,000. So all yeah. of a sudden, I'm like, well, in my market, that's probably around like 10 grand or something like that. I could do that. You know, I could save that up. And sure enough, I started saving, went home, jumped on Google, you know, banging the keyboard like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. And there is nothing about it, like just absolutely zero information about this loan out there. 
the little information that was out there didn't really help me kind of identify what I wanted to do. But anyway, fast forward, I, I kind of kept it in the back of my head and eventually got in touch with a lender. Once I had started saving up some more money, feeling like I got enough to you know, get like about 10, 15 grand in my pocket, I called the only loan broker I knew and I asked him about this thing. He's like, yeah, man, let's get you started. Let's do it. And sure enough, before I knew it, I was pre-approved. And, you know, for not a lot of money in New York, right? I, I, you know, I found out that, you know, still I really couldn't afford much, right? He pre-approved me and I, I was pretty much looking for houses that were mostly falling down. But anyway, that's what I started to do. I started looking and what I found out was, you know, number one, I, I could bid on anything that was cash only. I could also go into any type of foreclosure markets, auction markets, all these things that I thought were only re- were reserved for investors were for me. So I started making lots of offers and, Sure, as it was, it was tough, man. Because I was in a, it's still in a competitive market. Banks didn't want to deal with me, but I just kept to it. Placed a lot of offers, and eventually found something he sent over to me. He's like, "Hey, listen, this is a one you could do." And it was, I remember, I was listed for like three hundred thousand. I'm like, "Listen, man, I'm only pre-approved for like two fifty or something like that. I can't afford this." And he said, "Well, listen, when you use an FHA loan and you buy a small multifamily property." You're able to forecast the future income that you get on those other units. So, say you live in one unit. And the other unit, in my case, is going to rent out for two thousand a month here in New York. You're able to forecast that future income, and that basically gives you twenty four thousand dollar a year raise on your debt to income ratio, and you're able to afford even higher. I'm like, holy shit, that's great! So I placed an offer on it and ended up locking it up for two seventy. It needed about eighty thousand dollars worth of work, and I put the eighty thousand dollars into it. But you know, I was all in for three hundred fifty at the end of the day. Lo and behold, I I knew the tenets of real estate investing from all my training prior. So really what I was looking for was trying to get into the property for you know 75 cents on the dollar all in and build equity into it and take that equity and go buy more deals. And lo and behold, I got it reappraised eight months later for 480000 My down payment on that house was $9,500. So the only amount of money that came out of my pocket was 9500 bucks. I in turn turned that to $130,000 in equity. I was able to live for free for about a year and then eventually moved out and cash flow that property for $2,000 a month. And I've been doing that for so many years since. So that's obviously after trying so hard, that was what gave me my launch and really gave me the trajectory. And now I felt like I had money. I felt like I had experience. You know, I tell people it's like flipping a house with training wheels on. It allows you to do this with the bank's money with low risk and you're able to get a huge return because you're putting so little out of pocket. So, you know, that's how it got started. And hopefully I like telling people that story because ultimately I feel like a lot of good questions will come out of that. And I'm happy to answer them as we go through this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it, man. You mentioned a bunch of awesome things and it was so good that I didn't want to stop you at any point. But originally when, I don't know if you want to call it like the mentor of yours that at the Rio group, she ended up guiding you, telling you about educating you on the 203k way. After she explained it to you, you know, originally you couldn't Picture yourself after reading like Rich Dad Poor Dad. You couldn't picture yourself getting real estate. No. Uh, has anybody in your family owned real estate? I mean, my parents own their house, right? The primary. But okay. Yeah, they had a primary. Okay, but besides that, you could naturally see yourself starting a business, and it's you know primarily most likely because your dad runs his own business, right? Construction. Mm. Sure. Yep. Yeah, which is awesome. But there's just the unlocking of like, okay, now. We believe into it and it just shows opportunity behind it. So you start seeing it at the end of the day. What makes the 203K really special is you can have very little down and then the rehab costs, all the money you can you know, put into the loan 
you can stay in it as a single guy and house hack doing the burr strategy, even if you have a, a significant other, whatever it may be, yeah. you just got to get sure. them on board. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, and your father has the construction background. So I'm sure the renovation side, you started to identify and like you, you were more confident in that aspect, right? A lot of people get caught up in uh, the renovation cost of like, oh man, I'm going to get screwed over or I have no idea how to bid this out. Um, did your dad do the work on some of this stuff? So he didn't really. So, yeah. so what ended up <laughs> happening, what I found out was that once I got started, I assumed he was going to do the work. But the sure. problem with that was, is that they realize there's, they, they see it as a conflict of interest, right? You know, Oh, the, the banks. Yeah, the, the banks. Bank. So the 203k loan is an FHA loan. There's guidelines, there's red tape, as most uninformed people to relay it as. The reality of it is you're using one of the strongest, if not the strongest forms of real estate buying leverage that leverage. can be given yeah. to your average Joe Schmo. Okay. Yeah. It is the amount of potential that you're able to create from such a low amount of money is insane. The ability to buy up to a four unit property, the ability to pretty much have an open checkbook up to what you're able to afford in terms of being able to renovate this place, the ability yeah. to buy something that's literally falling down and be able to build all this equity into it for such little risk out of your pocket. So really what it comes down to is these banks do put together packages that they need you and your contractor and something called a 203k consultant, which I could get into, which is really just a glorified draw specialist. And you know, not glorified, a very specific loan specialist yeah. and, um, and home inspector, right? So they it's just another thing they put on another hat they put on it's like like they're going to be with you the whole process and have to be checking in to be able to give you the draws for the money right right and they also help you create the scope of work right oh, cool. so there's a lot of fail safes and things built into this loan which is very funny because if you talk to like your average realtor or average lender who has no idea what they're talking about on these things to be like oh it's too much work oh it's this that and the other thing no it's not too much work when you yeah. look at what you're doing it's things that I, you know, I had a background in construction. This is all stuff that is par for the course for any successful construction. The thing where people mess up with construction time and time and time again is they go for the lowest bidder. They have no scope of work, okay. no schedule, and 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 nothing. They just start with Joe Schmo, the contractor, and they don't do any of the due diligence. The bank yeah. really forces you to do that due diligence, which is what you should be doing anyway. So and the way it's it really so good too that they really help guide you with the scope of work because if not, then it's like that. That's where I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning. I didn't oh, have 100%. a detailed scope of work. Yeah, and schedule right now. Yeah. Schedule is something that I promote, and it's not something that the bank looks for. But as you said, like right, construction wasn't the scary part to me, but everything else was right. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's got everyone's got their super strength, right? Everyone's got their thing, right? People I work with, right? Some people are monsters with the numbers. They don't they're like, "Oh, listen, I'm good on analyzing deals. I just need help with the construction." Or other people are like, "I'm really good with construction. I just don't know the numbers." Or, you know, anywhere or any mix in between, right? So that was my kind of superpower coming into this. But yeah, I wasn't able to use my dad. Obviously, we had connections in the industry, so you know, we basically we had another contractor that was a you know a, a colleague of his, and you know we did it. And and honestly, you know, you don't want family involved most times if you could get away from it too. Um, you know, obviously, you know that that's kind of the reason why these banks do that. But at the end of the day, you know, it ended up working out, and that was the one thing that um I wasn't worried about. But the reality is, is that the two hundred three k loan and the strategy that you follow, especially a lot what I talk about on 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 you know on my in my community, is that 
you know, it does not need to be complicated. The problem is people don't do the initial stuff in the beginning to ensure a really strong construction rehab. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So at this point for the easy numbers, for example, or even if you want to talk about your first deal, those numbers, were you able to build up enough equity to be able to do a cash out refinance or what, what is the mindset and the, the projected goals after completing a successful two or three K loan? So that's a great question, right? So the most common question I get asked hands down is how many times can you do this, right? How many times can you repeat the 203k loan? Because listen, in reality, when you think of it like, holy crap, if I only had to put three and a half percent down every time, well, this is the do best this thing as ever. many I times do... as I can. You right. Know? <laughs> right. Now, at the end of the day, it's not a fix and flipper loan. Okay. Yeah. FHA knows this. There's stuff in there to really prevent you from doing that, which is a good thing. Again, if it was something that you were able to just run into the ground, you'd have way too many people exploiting it undoubtedly fucking it up and then crashing yeah. and burning everything into the, into the earth, right? So yeah. what makes it special is that it's kind of a thing that you really don't want to repeat over and over again. The, the, the good thing about it is if you do it the way that I talk about it and the way that I teach it is that you start with the end in mind and you know that your exit strategy is, again, like a burr method. What you want to do is you want to build enough equity that you can tap into and also create cash flow by by purchasing a, a small multifamily. What you're able to do is you take that, you take the equity that you build, you take the cash flow that you've been putting in your pocket, you add that together, and now you have more reserves to go place more down payments on whatever you want to do next. You want to go be a flipper? In my opinion, if you want to start flipping, you don't even have to use any of your own money, right? Or yeah. if you want to go start doing buy and holds, then yeah, you you retap in, you tap into your cash reserves and to your equity and you go buy more deals. What I did, and, and this is a little tip for anybody listening. So one of the mistakes I made was that, and I made many of them, and that's why people like you what I take to talk about. Yeah, right. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm shortening the gap for most people. I had to yeah. suffer through it so you guys can get away with doing it a lot easier, right? But one of the things I missed the boat on was, you know, after I eventually, so it took eight months to finish the renovation. After that eight months, I realized I built 130 grand in equity. And, you know, for the most part, the bank will only really let you tap into 90% of that. But what I did was I eventually quickly moved out, right? I didn't have to be there. I had just gotten engaged with my now wife and I moved in with her and, you know, we started planning for the wedding, everything like that. So, you know, very quickly I got two tenants in there and I was cash flowing that thing after the first year. So what ended up happening was I was like, okay, well, let me do that. And then I knew I had this equity in it. And then obviously I went into, you know, I went into getting the, um, you know, getting the wedding going. I got into my next flip six months later, but I between the cash flow that I was getting and some of the reserves I already had left and staying, I actually didn't really fully use the equity on that house. I, I worked with a, a family office and they kind of worked out like a unsecured line, but it was a secured line against my house. It was like a very creative way of financing, but basically they gave me you know a good portion, 90% of my acquisition and everything. And I rolled in and did my next flip about six months later. Okay. But then after that, I realized, damn, I should probably get access to this money. I didn't want to, I didn't want to eat into my cash flow since it's really a cash cow property. So what I wanted to do instead was go a home equity line of credit, especially when I was flipping. I didn't want to be paying for money that I didn't necessarily need in the moment. Right. So what I did was I went back to the bank and went to go pull out a home equity line of credit, went there and tried to make the point that I'm living there because my name's on it. I wasn't living there. I had a different address on my tax return. Every bank was like, yeah, no shot. When you live there, you get the highest loan to value, right? So I would have been able to tap into, I don't know, $100,000, $100, right? 
I ended up finding a bank that did it for non-owner occupants. There's plenty of them that out there that do it. They have to shop around. They change from year to year. But I ended up finding a bank that gave up to 80% loan to value on properties that you don't live in. At the time, it was called PenFed. I believe they stopped doing it, but there's plenty of banks that do it. Now, and I basically was able to tap into like $70,000-$80,000 of that. I used that money to go buy more deals. right? And that's, yeah. and, that, and that's what I did. And I would tap into it, pay it back when I was done with it. And just really repeat the process. So, you know, I tell everybody, you don't need to repeat the 203k loan if you don't, if you don't have to, because the reality is, is once you do this first one, you're gonna open up so many doors for yourself. You're gonna be part of the club. I went from the guy that no hard money lender would ever talk to to I get hard money lenders calling me freaking every day asking me to use their money, right? I get private money lenders that are like, hey, listen, you're doing another flip. I would love to give you my money, right? Because once you get that one and you show people and you have a deal sheet, hey, look look, look what I did. It doesn't matter if it's owner occupied or not. You found and you bought and renovated successfully a property and you want to keep doing that, right? So you the build numbers your- numbers don't lie. At the end and of the numbers day, don't know? lie. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, that's what I tell people, you know, and, and behind me, I'm, the house I'm in right now, as you know, when we were at that mastermind event, I was closing on my house the next morning. I took a red eye home to New York from Denver and uh, we closed on the house the next morning. I'm doing the same thing again. I practice what I preach. We're using a renovation loan. That's why it's a little bit in shambles behind us. Uh, we, we have a lot of renovation to do, but the same rules apply, right? And what I did was, you know, I'm doing it again now here a couple of years later. I did it with some family members back when I first started this and I helped them pretty extensively. And obviously I've helped tons of people do them since. But I went and did it again for our forever home and the same type of numbers. I mean, we we picked up something, you know, we're already into we're probably already at 100, 150,000 of equity without even doing anything to it. Nice. And that's getting on the deal finding side of things. But when we're done, we're going to be upwards of 2 200 plus. Now, whether I tap into that equity or not on my own primary, I don't know. I don't know if I have to, but at the end of the day, I don't I only believe in doing value add investing. And yes. you know, I'm doing it years later, and but I'm doing it the right way. And I'm still going to, and I'll continue to do that on any of the properties that I buy. Yeah, that's so good. So you mentioned a couple of things when, you know, originally you said this isn't a program that you can constantly, it's not a fix and flip type of program, right? Like yeah, it's, it's not, not hard not money. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not something that you can do multiple times, one, one after another. However, some of the guidelines behind it is you need to live in the property for what, one year? Is that still the case or is it still? So, so you, you have to own, it has to be your primary residence for one year after the date you close. Sure. So one year you have to live in this and then you will have uh, PMI. So you'll, yep. you'll have to pay because you're under 20%. Mm -hmm. However, if you know, once you build in that equity, you can be able to either do a cash out refi mm -hmm. and have a you know, a regular conventional loan to be able to get another FHA mm -hmm. 203k loan, or be able to take out like a HELOC, like you said, and then be able to utilize those for other avenues to be able to invest. Another awesome thing that many people probably don't even realize is that you can do this with residential real estate, all residential real estate, meaning that four units and below you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be a single family house. You could do it with a duplex, no. a triplex or a fourplex. Mm -hmm. So talk about like the ultimate house hack and, you know, you live in one unit or rent it out. You only need to live there for one year, but you can renovate this whole thing, really be able to have a cash cow mm -hmm. and build up enough equity to be able to really compound it and get multiple of these. Is there a restriction like for your first one? Is that still underneath technically an FHA loan? 
So can you have multiple of these loans, I guess, or do you need to do some kind of reconstruction of that, that loan so you can get another? Right. So, so right. So the rule is that you're only allowed to have one active FHA loan at any given time. Okay. There's another rule to it, which is that on your exit property that you leave. So say you have one FHA loan and you're going to, you want to go buy it, you know, if you have another FHA loan and you want to move into another property and get another FHA loan, either you, it has to be over a certain amount of mileage or you know there has to be a plan with what you're doing previously. If you want to keep that property and continue to rent it, there's some red tape and there's some bank overlays that prevent you from repeating it. Um, they want to make sure you have a certain amount of equity in the property or they want to make sure you have you know existing leases in place before you give you the new loan. Because remember, at the end of the day, you're putting this under your name. You can't do this sure. under a business name. Yep. There's no reason to do it under a business name, right? You're doing, remember, you're new, okay? When yeah. I, the question I hate more than any question in the world is, when can I move this into an LLC? Stop worrying about it. You don't need to protect your assets because you don't have any yet. Worry about that when the time comes, you could do quick claim deeds. There's so many things you could yeah. structure. At the yeah. end of the day, it's, it's, that's, that, that's not the focus. The focus is getting one under. But what you're able to do is you're, you're, you're able to get out of that loan, get into something else. Now, there's other renovation loans out there. So the, the one I'm in right now is called a Fannie Mae home style loan. It's pretty much the exact same thing as the FHA. The only difference is it's not an FHA. So it has a little bit of different guidelines. Honestly, it's way better for single family where the 203K multi is shines is with the multifamily. So I say, if you're looking to do a renovation loan, nine times out of 10, you're, you're going to use a home style loan if you're doing a single family. If you're doing two to four units, you're going to use a 203K loan. Now, I refinance out of the 203K loan immediately. The way I teach this is that you want to build at least 20% equity into the deal so that as soon as you are done, you refinance out, get rid of the PMI, and open your potential to possibly go buy another deal. I've worked yep. with people before that they've done that. And you know, listen, you got to play with the bank's numbers a little bit. You have to play with the what you got to play the game, right? Remember, you're exploiting this a little bit if you really want to be honest. Yeah. So you have to play within the rules. If you can't play within the rules, use that equity, go leverage hard money, go leverage private money, leverage DSCR loans, all these other things are available to you. But you know, be methodical with the way you do it. The one of the things is called the uh, the four three two one method. In all honesty, full transparency, I know it exists. I know there's some people that have done it out there. I personally have not met any of those people that have done it. I know some people that are working towards it. Again, there's red tape, but the whole idea is FHA is what FHA and banks will like only like you to see you go down in units for your primary residence and not up. So if if you right now live in a single family you know, in a nice side of town in the suburbs, and you're asking them to go buy a four unit to move your family into in the middle of town, you know, next to the train station, they're going to question, why are you going to pick up your family, move from a really nice property in the suburbs and move to an inner city in in a fourplex, right? It just doesn't make conventional sense. Now, I don't necessarily agree with it, but that's their stance, right? So you have to play within those lines that if you do want to work down, you go, you, you start with the higher units. And then as you start moving, you move into lower unit residences and that'll, that'll be what they allow you to do. But, um, you know, the kingpin on this is, and I really honestly think the sweet spot on this is going for a two unit. Obviously, everyone really goes for quadplexes. A lot of people that I work with personally get quadplexes or triplexes. Those are obviously the more cash cowy ones. But from what I find is number one, 
they're way harder to find. Okay. If you're patient, it's fine. But you know, I tell people, they, they tell me, Matt, I just want to find a quadplex and we work at it and we find them a quadplex. But at the end of the day, if it's not, you know, if, if you don't really absolutely need all those doors, what's great about the duplex is you get a lot of equity potential and a lot of cash flow potential. Typically yeah. what happens as you go up in units, your, yeah, your cash flow potential goes up, but your equity potential goes down, you know, versus in the opposite direction, your equity potential tends to go up with the less units you have. Like, you know, the equity we can make on this single family is great. It's probably way higher than any equity I'd make on a quadplex. Another cool little tip that I want to give for anybody listening is what you're able to do is you're also able to upgrade units, downgrade units. Generally speaking, it's very hard from a zoning point of view to turn a single family into a duplex or a yeah. single family into a multi. They, it, but you can do it if you find, you know, I have a guy. Yeah, I have a guy that's doing one in in DC, and he was able to get something that's a single family, and it's zoned for is zoned for two, and yeah. he saw that when he bought it, so he he ran that, he built that into his numbers. The two hundred three k as a loan allows you to do that. It pretty much allows you to do just about everything. Yeah. The only rule is it has to be an existing structure. There can't be land. But the opposite side of it is it, it also. Find- it also needs to be uh, functional, right? It can't, it, like the gas and stove, it, like that stuff, electric, it needs to be in working condition, right? It can't be dilapidated that bad. No, right? it can. All you need is a foundation. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's crazy. All you need is a foundation. Oh, yeah. No, it's crazy. Um, The limitations with it is like, you can't bolt, like I, I joke around, you can't build like the Playboy, like hot tub grotto in your backyard. Like they, you know. Homestyle lets you do that, but at 203K, it has to be like for the structure okay. of the house. You can't just go and like build a basketball court. Um, sure. But the point I wanted to make was that you can take a five family or a six family, and if you wanted to convert it down to a fourplex, and what you could do, or you can make, you know, what one of the guys that I'm working with, he's converting a five into a four, and he's making that that fourth like a double unit. So he's basically making the same amount of cash flow. The only difference is instead of having to put 25% down, he only had to put out three and a half. And even though it was originally five unit, I mean, is that on paper or with the city so that it would be labeled as commercial, but the financing because of his plans, he's planning on making it residential? Correct. Yeah. As long okay. as the end product fits the bill. You're able to do it. Yep. You're also able to buy fixed mixed use as well, as long as majority of the floor space is residential. So it has to be over half of the floor space needs to be residential. You could have two or three units up top that are mostly the floor space and then a little bodega at the bottom or like a little hair or something, you know, barbershop. Yep, wow. you could. The only the only caveat that. is you can't use the money to renovate the commercial space. But why would you anyway? You just put it in a triple net lease where you're not responsible yeah. for any of that anyway. I love that. See, this, I love that. I didn't know that aspect of it. It can get very, very creative in many ways. And, you know, it really comes down to, like you were mentioning, you know, there's many banks out there that will work with you on this stuff. It, it's time to start building those relationships sooner than later. And yeah. so that you can start... And the education behind it, like not a, you're educating me on so much of this stuff. I was prior, like already knew a little bit about it, but the more people need to hear this stuff. So uh, the education to understand how to play within the rules, because there are some particular little ins and outs that you need to be aware of to successfully do this, to fit within their boxes of lending. But it yeah. can really set you up for tremendous success as an investor, as financial freedom and, and being a homeowner and so much more. So I really love that. So. At the end of the day, you know, it's hard to find the education out there. 
I know that you're teaching a little bit of it. How, where's a resource that people can learn more? Yeah, man. So, you know, the best way to find me is Instagram. Yeah. You know, you go on my Instagram, it's at the 203K way. That's really where I've been doing all of my teaching and everything for a number of years. My website, the 203kway.com. On there, I have a free one hour training, which I pretty much just go through step by step by step on you know everything I've been explaining, but really yeah. in the nitty gritty details on exactly how I do it. And you know, ultimately, I'm an open book, man. Um, I'm here to help anybody. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I do work with a select number of people that want to work closely one on one, and I do that. You know, those are the people that are like, "Hey, listen, Matt, love it, love the strategy." You got all the information out to me. I just want you to look over my shoulder while I do it and make sure I really knock it out of the park. So I offer that. And that's all, you know, details on that are all over the place. You could just look it up on my Instagram and stuff. But yeah, man, you know, for the most part, it's just been a passion project of mine because at the end of the day, like you said, like you're learning so much about it. It's just a shame that people don't know enough about it. And, you know, part of me, part of me, you know, is mad about that. But part of me also realizes that that's what makes it so freaking special. That's what makes it so insanely powerful. I really almost don't want it to go. Someone asked me like, if I wanted to do a TV show on it, right? Like the thing would be in like, it's HGTV and like, start pitching out that like, hey, you could use renovation loans, like everyone loves these things. But all these shows, they're just paying out of pocket. They're like, Oh, I only have so much for a renovation budget. It's like, you don't need it. You can use the bank's money, man. You know, but it's like, but you're right. But then like, you know, at the end of the day, maybe it would muddy the waters a little bit. So, you know, listen, I like to say that this is the information I wish I had when I started. And, you know, everything I do is just to help people clear the air. The one word of advice I'll give to anybody that starts looking into this, take everything you read with a grain of salt. Obviously, I'll be biased and say, listen, if you come to me, you're going to get the right. Listen, you come to me, you're going to get the right answer. But the unfortunate reality of this is that there's a lot of so-called real estate professionals out there, realtors, you know, you know, agents, lawyers, contractors, lenders, especially that will try to steer you away from this thing. Why? Because it's beyond their level of comprehension and beyond knowledge becomes ignorance, right? When people go and especially, I mean, listen, if you're a real estate agent, you're listening, I love you, but man, oh man, do you have such like, and I say real estate agents in general always have a bad habit of talking about things they don't know anything about because they feel like they need to be the professional. And there's just a lot of misinformation about it out there that's being perpetuated by people that should know about it. So just understand that just because someone's trying to push you away or a lender's pushing you away, just know it's because they don't understand it and they don't want to take the time to understand it. And it's in their best interest to push you into something that you do understand. And they'll make up everything they can to steer you. If that happens, contact me. I will put you with the right people. I will make sure that you're working with people. The reality is there's not many lenders out there that do this, but because of it, it's a very niche group. And I know everybody, every every state, and these are happening like crazy in Puerto Rico, Any anywhere that's a US-based sovereignty, you're able to get this loan. At the end of the day, there's there's niche guys that specialize in renovation loans. This is what they do. You just need to look for those couple people. And there's there's plenty of ways I can help you with that. I love it. I love it, man. Well, it's very awesome. I know it can help out a lot of people, honestly. And it's a way that you can get educated along the way, even by the banks on how to set up you know, and, and manage the contractors and not get screwed over by the contractors. But the ultimate game here is leverage and to be able to you know, take as little money as possible to get started, get yourself into a deal and a, a real true investment that you're going to have equity. You're going to have opportunities afterwards that you can leverage from with a HELOC or 
cash out refinance and and get into another one and so forth and just something that's going to cash flow like crazy. So I definitely approve and uh, and stand behind everything that you're doing, brother. And um, yeah, just appreciate your time today. Yeah, definitely, guys. I highly encourage you to reach out to Matt. He'll be able to guide you and so much more. And uh, and check out on Instagram. It's the two hundred three K way, correct? Yep. Or the two hundred three K guy, right? No, the two hundred three K way. That's the okay, name. Cool. That's the name of the. That's the name of the community. I got a Facebook group. I got all you know. If anyone watching in Facebook, you can look up the two hundred three K way. I have a Facebook cool. group. You know, I'm sure it's very similar to your group. We're in there all to help each other all the time. But yeah, man. You know, listen. It's at the end of the day. If you're if you're looking to get started, you know, if you have 10, 12 properties and you're watching this, you know, I don't know if this is the best way to you know strategy for you right now. But for anybody that is really starting out, you know, you're able to get a bank loan, you know, and you're able to get something that this this FHA loan is extremely extremely powerful. And and as as Brandon talks about all the time, like using leverage, using it in a really smart way, which is exactly what I want you to do. And it's just building that firm base, but do not use your own money. Don't make the mistake yeah. I, we all kind of made in the beginning. Like There's so much money out there ready to be lent to you. You just need to know how to use it and be smart about it. But man, oh man, once you start doing it, it's life-changing. Shit. I mean, it's crazy. Like 10,000 down to get started was like, your, what, your first deal? 9,000 something? Yeah, I mean, you don't even want to know how much equity I have on that property. <laughs> I hear you, brother. So it's just like I'm at like three. Point. I'm at like 300k in equity on that property now, just in six years, right? So it's. But check this out. It's like you can ten thousand dollars, guys. You can do this with a credit card. You know, like make sure you qualify on paper. You have the job, the equity, and then like I can use one of brand. Use one of Brandon's things. Get a zero percent down credit card. Pull the money out and yeah. just season it for two months. That's yeah. all you need to do. The bank's not going to look past two months of your, of your bank statements. You don't even need yet. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, if you don't really need to save it up. I mean, I'm a believer in like, listen, it's 10 grand. You could yeah, probably muster save, it save up. Somebody, I, I think you should save it. But at the end of the day, if you can't and you could get, you know, you could get one of these lines of credit or something like that, go do it, pull that out. And huh. then you never have to use a dollar. Yeah, it's crazy. I love this though, man. It's uh, it's so powerful. So keep doing what you're doing. I definitely commend Thanks, you for dude. it. I appreciate you and just your heart of giving back to the students and really just being able to teach this stuff because like you said, nobody's really talking about it. So it's awesome. With that being said, guys, make sure you hit that subscribe button for Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. So you get the newest episode every single Monday. You'll get that notification. And do me a favor, leave that five-star review. Greatly appreciate all the love and feedback. We are all geared towards educating you, motivating you, and preparing you to take action. Very confident we were able to do that today with Matt. And yeah, I mean, if you guys want to reach out to me, you can always do so on Instagram. It's Brandon Elliott Investments, otherwise facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. If you need any credit repair done for you services, check out creditrepairmobile.com. Otherwise, if you're really looking to get educated on how we see credit as a whole, uh, it's that four-step process. Educate, fix, build, leverage. We can show you how to fix credit faster than anyone in the industry. I'm talking a couple hours, 10 business days to really building up to get to the 800 club, getting multiple six figures of funding. Ryan in our group, he just got $458,000 in uh, new credit lines. I mean, oh, in, yeah. in, in 30 days. So you guys can do exactly the same, leverage it into the 203k way or any other business goals, dreams that you have. So if you're interested in more in that, then check out creditcounselelite.com. That's www.creditcounselelite.com. And you guys can be blessed with that. But I appreciate you guys all so much. Matt, you're the man. Appreciate you, brother. You guys have a blessed day. See you next time. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. 
more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.